Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters Podcast. It's your favorite data nerds back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Oscar Way, our Deputy Chief Economist. Hey, Oscar, how's it going? Very good. It's it's a busy month, and uh, we have a lot of things to cover. Very busy month, and actually we set some new records, so we want to talk to you about our uh, new housing market update for April that we just put out uh, on Monday of this week, and then to talk about how that kind of ties in with the housing affordability index. Some of the stuff that we see out there about how that's impacting consumers, and specifically talking a little bit about some kind of initial signs that we might be seeing some buyer fatigue out there. And then we'll just round it out with a a general macro update. But I thought it would be good for us to start with uh, with the kind of our own bread and butter, if you will, and and talk about the housing market, because we did set new new records. And in fact, we actually saw the pace of sales pick up after having slowed down for for the last couple of months. Absolutely. You know, we have some latest number. We have some um, interesting numbers. Let's talk about sales first. You know, when you talk about sales, um, you know, of course, it kind of slowed down a little bit. And I think in February and March, we had three months of uh, decline in sales. Uh, Understandable because, you know, it's those are not the um, those are the slow uh, buying season. Yeah. When we ram up to April, May and, 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 and June, you know, we expect sales to bounce back and it did. In fact, it bounced back, you know, with a very significant increase of <laughs> 65.1%. But now you and I both know that, you know, yes, that is a huge number, but there's a reason behind it. Definitely. And that's the thing to keep in mind, right? Because we, you know, this is the kind of uh, age old kind of tussle between the levels and the and the rates, right? Because we are up 65% on a year to year basis, but at the same time, That's because we're comparing it to a point in time last year when sales were really uh, falling off pretty significantly, 30, 40, even 50 Mm percent, depending on uh, the the individual market. And so although sales levels are still strong, we are still at almost 460,000 units, uh, those growth rates are are getting exaggerated by that chasm from 2020. And so the the moral of the story is yes, sales are still going pretty good. In fact, they're even improved a bit from the last couple of months, but you don't wanna kinda over-interpret that really strong growth rate and, and kind of take your foot off the accelerator when it comes to your own business. Yeah, I mean, 46,000 is actually a very impressive number compared to what we have seen let's say not the, not the last six months, six right. months, you know, sure. is not a normal, yeah. but compared to, let's say 12 months ago, compared to, you know, uh, two years ago, that's a very impressive number. The and previous decade have... even. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And we have all the reasons to, to believe that it will, it will stay uh, somewhat strong in yeah. the next few months or so, you know, with interest rate at a very low level. I mean, right. yes, it, it may, it may not be at the very bottom now, but it's still below 3%. Uh, depending on which record, which numbers you look at. Sure. It's still a very low number. At the same time, you know, we still have a lot of people, you know, rushing into the market, trying to uh, take advantage of rates, 
you know, people are showing interest. If you look at, you know, number of uh, counties that actually experience increase, right. 49 out of 51 counties. That's pretty impressive. Exactly. So we don't have all of our all of our eggs in one basket, if you will. And, and so we're seeing that kind of broad based growth. And it is tied to the reopening of the economy. You know, we've added back several hundred thousand jobs over the course of the last couple of months. The public health numbers are looking good. And, you know, even though rates aren't as low as they have been, we, you know, we have the specter of higher rates in the future. And I think that keeps buyers, you know, and creates that sense of urgency that, um, you know, even in the face of this tight supply ends up, you know, generating more and more uh, home home sales, although it is important, as you noted, that that we're not, you know, able to kind of maintain that 510,000 unit pace that we were able to in the past. And I think that kind of brings us to the next little segment that we wanted to talk about um, from our numbers in April, which is that, you know, the, the inventory situation is still pretty, pretty dire out there. And, and I think that that is one of the reasons why we're not able to hang on to that 510,000 unit pace. Yeah, that's definitely one of the big reasons. I mean, we have been talking about tight supply um, in terms of inventory, in terms of active listings, you know, just use active listings uh, as a, uh, as a measure. We mm -hmm. know that active listings have been falling. It has been falling for 50%, more than 50%, uh, for the last four months or so from a year ago, that's pretty significant. That means we only have now sales actually increase significantly, but at the same time, supply also dropped quite significantly. Um, that doesn't, and that is across the board too, uh, like sales, 50 of the 51 counties that we have been tracking actually has been showing some year over year decline. The only one that's actually not dipping is San Francisco. Right. Yeah. And some of it is that, you know, we do have very strong demand out there. You know, one of the, the reasons why active listings um, are, are struggling so much is that the sales, um, you know, growth is is high, that there's so much buyer demand out there that what we put on, uh, you know, comes flying off. And you see that in, in all of the... Right the statistics, but but there's also a component to this where we're also just not restocking uh, the MLS quickly enough either, right? And you've done some good analysis recently on not the total actives, right? And that's what's always kind of weird is that, um, you know, both sale, sales are kind of flows, right? We add up all the sales, mm -hmm. we sell some homes on Monday, you sell some on Tuesday, and, and you add all those up and that's how many you sold for the month. Active listings is kind of a different concept and it changes all the time. When you log in, uh, you know, right now, you might have a different number for active listings than when you log in after lunch. And so to really get at that kind of flow component, which is just the, the kind of restocking the shelves, you know, analogy that I used is, mm -hmm. is the new listing. So how many are we putting on the MLS? And you actually went out and crunched those uh, and, and have found that, that it's not just that we're selling so many homes. There's also a real honest to goodness kind of drought when it comes to what we're putting onto the MLS. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, we have been seeing um, the number of new listings in the past, you know, before COVID, we have been, you know, even though it has been tight in terms of the inventory or the active listings, you know, we, we usually have a little bit more new, new active listings, you know, that exceed, you know, sales to keep the inventory at a, you know, somewhat, you know, okay level. But yeah. then starting in about around June or July of last year, sales actually has been, sales have been exceeding new listings uh, and has been exceeding at some point by a lot. 
And because of that reason, inventory active listings and inventory continue to decline. And it's hard to believe that, you know, that, that will, will continue to, for, you know, 10 months or so, but that's what's happening right now. And it doesn't look like that we are going to see that, uh, that, that, that trend discontinue uh, in the next couple months. Now yeah. we do we do see I mean you know if you just look at the raw number of listings it might seem like not, uh, new listings have increased significantly from last year but that's again is because of the shutdown right and so you have to keep those comparisons in mind when you look at something and it's up fifty percent from where it was at this time last year um, it's it's less meaningful if last year was down by 50%, right? And right. so, right. Um, you know, it, it, that's where the kind of, we, we have to contextualize this and it puts a new spin on, um, you know, all of the great sales growth that we've had, right? And that kind of brings us to the question of price, because I think that that is really, you know, where, where this is showing up. It can show up in one of two ways, right? We can either have the listings lead to a, a lack of sales, or we can still do the sales and the homes just end up going to the the highest bidder. And in fact, we saw that the, the, the median home price in California last month had its largest ever year to year gain. And we also set a new just record price level <laughs> overall that was in California over $800,000, which is just, again, um, incredible. Something that we have never, never seen before. Now, the month before that, March, we saw a, uh, we saw a record high. We thought, okay, well, it was 760. We thought, okay, well, that's yes. a very high number. And then all of a sudden, in April, jumped to 813,000 plus some change. So that's significant. Um, that is a, uh, a gain of 30, over 30% 30 uh, right. uh, from last year. And we, we, I mean, you and I knew that, probably knew that let's say in April and May, we would have a new record high, but I never expected that to be that high. Yeah. Um, and, and there are, if you look at some of the other indicators though, maybe not, we shouldn't be surprised, surprised. Yes. If you look at the days on market, for example, how many days is that? It's like seven or seven like days that? was the median again. So some, you know, 50% of the homes closed at least that fast, you know, or went pending at least that fast last month. Right. And then we have what, two thirds of homes sold above asking price. Right. Yeah. And it's it's just uh, absolutely incredible. And some of it is, you know, the mix of sales. Right. So we did see the kind right, of right. more expensive areas in California, um, you know, which I think we're a little bit slower out of the gate. I think it's safe to say, you know, the San Francisco's, <laughs> the L.A.'s took longer to reopen and for the market to bounce back. We did see an initial jump in kind of outflows from the core urban areas, but it does right. seem like those kind of the traditional urban core of California, right. although slower out of the gate, has come around. So your LA's and Orange Counties, your San Diego's, the Bay Area, all up uh, the most last month. And that does tend to skew the numbers. We also had that record, which is that we had uh, for the first time ever, I think the, the share of the market that was over a million dollars was bigger than the share of the market uh, yeah, under a million dollars. Yeah, that mix of sales change makes it a little tricky to really predict what's going to happen. Because of course, um, we, we've talked about it before, you know, when things normalize, it is possible that the mix of change could you know, convert back to a little bit more normal, but, you know, with, and, and you said it right, you know, you know, some of the counties are actually doing better in terms of sales, more yeah. sales uh, yep. in, in major 
uh, high-end counties. But if you look at you know the number of counties that actually set record high, it's 29 counties setting new median record high. So uh, there are definitely some right. uh, other reasons uh, other than the mix of sales. Yeah, on our up home prices. A regional basis, every region was at an all-time high, right? Central Valley, right. Central Coast, Bay Area, Southern California overall. Um, you know, record prices. Every single county that we track posted a year-to-year gain. We had San Mateo uh, jump up into the two million club for the <laughs> first crazy. time. I think Orange County is now in the one million and up club for the very right, first time, or for the second month now. Actually, second month. I think uh, last month was one point oh two five, but it's set a new record. You're right. So, you know, it's set a new record. So the mix of sales is is dragging up that growth number um, higher than it would be. That's why we got you know the thirty two point four percent or whatever that we recorded for the overall median. But even within county, you're still seeing double digit growth. Even when you put that on a per square foot basis within county, so you can't say that. San Francisco is dragging up Bakersfield's price. If you just look at, you know, San Mateo or Alameda itself, even on, you know, per square foot, you still see that growth. That being said, the top end of the market does seem to be particularly on fire. We did have like 300 or something percent growth and $3 million. I know uh, wow. home sales as, as well. So that, you know, those high income earners still continue to do um, better than everyone else economically. It seems like that is now that brings us, you know, a very, um, concerning uh, question about you know affordability. We talked about affordability. We released our first quarter uh, housing affordability index uh, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, that kind of home prices, that kind of median price, uh, really could uh, you know lower housing affordability, right? Absolutely, you know, and we we did our our first quarter housing affordability update, and and what you see was that we're you know still seeing affordability deteriorate, right? We were barely able to hold on from where we were in the fourth quarter on a year-to-year basis, even with those lower rates, right? Um, there's been more than enough price growth that to kind of compensate for the fact that rates are lower now than they were a year ago. And so we still are in a scenario where essentially three out of four California households are, you know, cannot afford mm -hmm. the median priced home. And, and so, um, you know, we, it, and again, it, it comes down not to, to the price growth, right? Because it's, uh, again, rates were lower. We actually even got some income growth over the period, even with all of the, the kind of challenges that that we faced, but it was just not enough to make up for the really, really robust growth in prices. And so the the kind of lack of supply, the the price increases really put us further behind the eight ball from an affordability standpoint. And that means that some, you know, that it's going to have demand consequences, right? Especially as we think towards the future, right? Where mm -hmm. um, even at 3%, right? Which I think we were just a hair over 3% when we did the, the first quarter calculation, you already needed a median uh, income of about a hundred or, you know, a minimum income of over $130,000 yeah. um, to get that, that $3,200 and 80 uh, a month payment, right? And so what does that look like at three and a half percent? Then you need even more income. And it, it again, just uh, makes it increasingly challenging for, for buyers to actually um, make the numbers pencil out. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we should, you know, take a look at what uh, what will happen with with three and a half, four percent, and so on. Because if you take a look at, you know, how um, the affordability 
what the hell affordability was back in 2006, 2007, when interest rate was at six, six and a half percent. Right. You know, and, you know, affordability went all the way down to 15, went all the way down to about 10, 12 percent at the state level. We're not talking about Bay Area. Right. We're talking about state level. So, you know, if we have three percent now and it is very possible that by the end of the year, we could actually, you know, be closing in on three and a half percent at the state level. Um, that could actually that could definitely affect housing affordability, and you know we we know that in the upcoming year in 2022 interest rates will most likely rise you know right. to a higher level. So what is that going to do with housing affordability then? Exactly, and you know this is obviously a, a challenge for us in in real estate to be able to deliver on that American dream and get more folks into into home ownership. And uh, you know, as we we continue to say, it's a challenge for us economically because I do think that it underlies a lot of the kind of ominous um, you know demographic trends because it's not just happening in the in the San Francisco's and Santa Clara's actually, interestingly enough, those are the areas that kind of actually held steady despite <laughs> yeah, being, know. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty unaffordable, I think is, is fair to say. Um, but, you know, this happening all across the state, 49 counties declined in terms of housing affordability year to year. And again, uh, you know, you don't have to look much farther than that. I think you can draw a straight line from the cost of housing to out migration and negative yeah. um, population growth. So. Yeah. So now with affordability being an issue um, and with prices continuing to to rise and also, of course, we talked about the market being very, very competitive uh, in the last few months or so, uh, uh, properties flying off the shelf very quickly and also uh, bids over asking price. Do you think it creates a little bit of um, concern for many of the home buyers and maybe they might be thinking of, okay, well, I'll, I'll take a break and maybe wait a little bit longer before coming back to the market. Are, are we seeing that? You know, I think we're starting to see some of that. It's uh, it's a difficult thing to try and suss out of the data, right? But you hear it anecdotally that buyers are getting frustrated. We actually do a monthly survey of consumers because we want to hear it directly from the consumer. Uh-huh. Just how are you feeling? So we talk to about a thousand Californians every month and just ask a couple of basic questions about housing for our sentiment index and two of which are, you know, how do you feel about buying? How do you feel about selling? Um, you know, and, or is it a good time to buy and is it a good time to sell? I think are, is the verbatim language mm-hmm. that we use. Uh, but what we've seen is that the, the gap between people who think it's a good time to sell a home and the people who think it's a good time to buy a home was at its highest level wow. ever, right? Which means that sellers are more enthusiastic relative to buyers than we've ever seen in the kind of three and a half years or three-ish years that we've been doing um, this monthly survey of a thousand uh, Californians. And I think that that, you know, has a, a kind of psychological impact. We were just talking um, with Sabrina Bloor about the the kind of step, you know, path steps to home ownership program that we have here at CAR. Um, and, and, you know, just talking about how challenging it is in the market. You have a lot of ways where people can get into the market with low down payments or can get down payment assistance and different loan products that you can get into without needing um, you know, huge amounts of money in, in the bank account and things like that. But in this type of a market environment, 
it's challenging to get those offers accepted when there's folks who are willing to waive contingencies and, you know, mm -hmm. offer uh, 20% more even than what you're asking for and pay in cash and close in, you know, 15 days and, and all of that kind of stuff. And one of the, the things that she talked about was, you know, um, having to really manage expectations and, and um, you know, be able to hunker down for the long haul because we're seeing that, um, you know, again, you mentioned it over two thirds sold above asking price, but you know, you're seeing that, that the, this is starting to show up on the actual hard indicators of demand. Because if you look at the mortgage applications right. numbers, they're still up by double digits, right? But the actual level of, of the index itself is, is basically about where it was at this time last year. We're not maintaining this kind of head and shoulders above where we were kind of trajectory. And especially since um, I think in the second half of last year, uh, things started rising quite a bit. So, you know, when we look at how it compares to, let's say, next month, how it compares to a year ago or June compares to a year ago, uh, most likely we will probably see yeah, maybe still a, a slight growth, but uh, definitely not as much as what we have seen in the past couple months. Yeah, actually, if you go back, you know, to when we were, you know, and this is kind of the the kind of reason why we bring this up, right? Because this preceded what we're starting to see now on the sales side, right? Because if you go back to, you know, March and April, we were growing by, you know, 50 and 60% in terms of overall mortgage applications. And that was because, again, we were comparing it to that period in time when they were falling by 30 and 40%. Right, right. Um, and now we've started to see that that pace of growth in mortgage applications has decelerated as we converge to basically where we were in mid to late May of 2020, which were good numbers, right? You said it, we were better than we were, you know, pretty much for the whole decade before mm -hmm. 2020 in terms of home sales, but we're not, you know, maintaining that extraordinary level of growth. It is starting to cool down. So the moral of the story, I think, is just to, you know, to, uh, to really keep the pedal to the metal or your foot on the accelerator <laughs> or nose to the grindstone or whatever your favorite metaphor is there, because, you know, our, the, the buy side in particular is, is facing a lot of challenges. You've got to be managing those buyer expectations and getting them to be um, patient and stick with it because, you know, as hard as it is, and as many folks are getting outbid by investors, there are people, you know, getting into the market right now with uh, FHA loans and with down payment assistance and like getting the, you know, that dream home that's going to let them start accumulating the wealth and doing all the other, um, you know, things that, that kind of unlock the real value of home ownership in the first place. So, and I think more than ever, um, buyers will need buyers need uh, realtors expertise in navigating right. the situation that's definitely you know the case uh, in the current market situation especially now, course, on the buy side because on, you, right yeah i think the value of home ownership is accumulating wealth and things like that and you know i i kind of said it in a half tongue-in-cheek way but if you if you overpay for the house, right, as, as eager as you are to get that home, then you sort of take away some of the initial value because then you're, um, you know, spending the next couple of years worth of price appreciation, just getting back to, to break even point, right? So, so you got to always balance that benefit with making sure that you um, can afford it and, and, you know, are paying what it's worth. So. Absolutely. Now um, on the, um, of course, you know, this is a tough situation 
Um, what about the uh, the macro environment? Are we seeing anything that actually might benefit you know the current housing market condition, or maybe on the other on on the other hand, maybe possibly uh, lead to uh, slower growth in the second half of the year? What are we seeing? I mean, there are a few uh, interesting um, macro indicators that were, were released in yeah. the past few weeks. Definitely. And it's kind of as as ever with us, right? It's kind of on the one hand, uh, on on the other hand, right? Because you can see that we're we're still um doing well economically, right? We're we're seeing the broad-based numbers go move in the right direction, shall mm-hmm. we say, but it's not necessarily doing it in a very quick way. Retail sales have surged as people's, you know, got those stimulus checks and things like that. But then they they kind of didn't continue that momentum uh, into April. They didn't fall, right. right? So we don't have any major red flags. But it's just that again, nothing to suggest that we can enter cruise control mode. Yeah, I mean April. I mean uh, staying flat with March is not too bad. I mean sure. remember we it. did have a pretty significant surge in March. But of course, you would like to see uh, uh, the economy, uh, recovering economy, to continue to grow. I know, you know, a lot of time financial market may interpret that as, oh, okay, well, things are, you know, holding back. So, yeah, but we're not talking about just the financial market. As far as the economy is consi- uh, is, is going, um, yes, we might have some fallback in things like clothing or general merchandise stores, but we're still seeing things like service sector, like yes. the restaurants and bars. You know, when we start reopening, we will continue to see some of those uh, continue to improve. Yeah. Things like traveling industry. You know, we absolutely see, we want um, to go on vacation again. Right. And, and you know, we all know that, you know, a lot of people want to go to theme parks. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, you went to one, you know, just uh, recently. We got our shots and then it, uh, <laughs> we went to when they had full clamping down restrictions on how many people they let in. We were able to go to Universal Studios and it was great. And we stimulated the economy. We bought, you know, hot dogs and sodas and my um my daughter got all her Harry Potter stuff. So it was, <laughs> it was great. And that stuff is starting to come around. And you see it showing up in the jobs numbers, right? That That's we true. do see the unemployment claims, the new claims uh, are falling. They fell to a, a pandemic low or a low since we've been in the pandemic. There were less than half a million people, you know, losing their jobs. So as, you know, folks get out there and buy butter beer and do all that stuff, then you see um, the, the, you know, the jobs turn back on and that's, that's great. But at the same time, we still have, you know, a lot of uh, economic and financial distress out there, right? Because there's still a lot of folks um, who are on the existing government payroll, even if we're not seeing people lose jobs at the same level that we were uh, week on week. Yeah, I mean, we can say that it's decelerating as far as the uh, the job loss. But uh, yes, we still have close to 17 million people that are remaining on that, uh, you know, continuing claims yeah uh, and, and, and haven't gotten know, their jobs back right and and if you look at you know employers i mean some of the employers companies are kind of waiting and see to make sure that you know things are really ramping up first before hiring and that's why yes we were only seeing a modest you know about 266,000 jobs in april yeah but i'm sure you know that number will improve we just have to be a little patient and see how things uh, pan out in the next few months or so right um I mean, it's if you look at the unemployment number right now, it's at six point one percent. I mean, right. it's far better than what we saw um, a year ago when it was um, almost sixteen percent, right? Or over even a little bit. Yeah, and in California, it's above eight percent. But I'm pretty sure that number will continue to improve um, in the next few months or so. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. What about inflation? Because that's one I just had a reporter call me about today talking about inflation. And we did see that the, the core CPI was up by more than the Fed target. You know, you can always dismiss it if it's food or gas prices. Um, that's why they have a core CPI number, which, right. you know, gets rid of those really volatile uh, food and energy prices that are all over the map. But we did see, um, you know, the overall number go up by 4%, over 4% on a year-to-year basis. And, and that core number go up by 3%, which is above that Fed target. Um, what's, your, what's your take on, on inflation? What's driving that? Now, first of all, you know, if you look at the core CPI, the core price index, mm-hmm. 3%, I think when I, went, was, when I was in college, uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. 3% is what we used to adjust an annual number. Right. But of course, in the last few years, we haven't seen a 3% you know, for a while. So when it gets up to 3%, we get alarmed. Right. But if you look at how low it was a year ago because of the shutdown, the pandemic shutdown caused a lot of demand actually to drop. Right. When the demand dropped, price dropped. And so when you compare it to that low ba- low base compared uh, and, and 12 months ago, of course, you're going to see that you know surge in core CPI. Right. But on top of that, there are some other additional stuff that um, the current uh, ramp up in uh, reopening and ramp up in demand might have caused you know a temporary um, imbalance between yeah. the supply and demand. Um, we talked about this a little bit. You know, will you ramp up you know the demand, but at the same time companies takes time businesses take time to hire people to you know uh, get all the supply back in so there is probably a little bit of transitory um increase in, in, uh, inflation for now now it may even go on to the next month or so but we foresee foresee that that number will actually slow down a little bit in the second half of the year yeah definitely i think you know this is one of those instances where you get these uh economists who fancy themselves as poets and they try and coin terms, but they call that, you know, stickiness, right? The supply side of the economy is stickier, both on the way up and the way down than the demand side, right? You you have a lockdown, people immediately go home and save their money. Um, It takes businesses a while to catch up. You got to lay off employees, you got to, you know, cancel shipments and turn off machinery, et cetera, et cetera. And the same thing on the way back up, right? The government says we can go back out of our house. A lot of that demand comes back that, you know, and again, it takes the the businesses a while because of the stickiness right Mm -hmm. uh which is like the best we could come up with for that but is is you know to turn back on those factories to get those workers back into the restaurants into the bars and get those you know orders placed again for materials and you know all of that stuff and and so i do think that there is a kind of um, temporary component when you look out at the broader economy we still have a lot of folks you know on the the government, you know, dime, if you will, right, which right. I think is going to kind of preclude really broad-based inflation until we get near, you know, back towards full employment again. And and you know, I think that there's still um, a lot of kind of mix issues going on, right? Because the, a lot of the wage growth that we're seeing, even you know, when we do our affordability calculations and things like that, tend to understate the deterioration in affordability potentially because you know folks at the top end are doing better than ever and and to the extent that you know they um, become a bigger share of the the population and the folks in the middle and at the bottom aren't necessarily doing better even as that median number might get dragged up uh, a tiny bit so 
And, and, you know, I think, you know, it's not just you and me, you know, a lot of economists agree, you know, with our analysis. And that's at the same, at the same time, the Federal Reserve believe that is the case, too. Yeah. And that's that's why I think, you know, they came out and did mention that, you know, these are temporary effect and um, to kind of calm things down a little bit to let people know that, you know, they may not necessarily be increasing interest rates anytime soon. Yeah. So what about interest rates, you know, uh, with that statement, with what they have uh, uh, mentioned recently are we seeing any uh, uh movement in interest rates lately? well we have gotten some stability particularly you know not just on the mortgage rates which have held steady below three percent luckily uh you know but also in the 10-year which is critical but you know we um we we are still below the kind of peaks that that we were at were below three percent even though we were down or you know we were down at 2.66 percent i think was the freddie mac uh very you know the nader but uh, we do expect that rates will probably go up over the medium term, like you said, maybe getting up as high as 3.5%. For me, you know, the I don't think that we're going to see meteoric rises, right? If you go to where we were on tenure <laughs> before the crisis, we were at about 1.8-ish percent, right? And I think we're at 1.6 something now. So maybe a couple of 20 basis points, their spreads have narrowed a lot, right? So we might get another 30, 40 basis points just as spreads normalized between 10 years and, and mortgage rates. But that still only puts us, you know, again, at two point or, you know, 3.4, 3.5%. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, even a 50 basis point increase, although, you know, those are rates my dad still would have killed for back in the 80s, um, you know, at an $815,000 median price that has uh, much more significant impacts to purchasing power. So it's, it's, um, it's, I think, uh, feel, make me feel a little bit more comfortable compared to, you know, what we saw two months ago, three months ago, when rates actually started uh, searching quite fast at a pretty fast pace. Yeah. In the last couple of weeks, despite the fact that we're seeing some inflationary um, news in uh, news on inflation, I mean, it just in the last few days, it only inched up a little bit, maybe point uh, like a two basis point or something like exactly. that. Yeah. Very, very, you know, stable, steady, you know, increase. So it's not even, you know, as as bad as the level that we're at right now. It's not, uh, it's still below what we were at at the end of March. So yeah, exactly. I agree with you, you know, 3.3, 3.4%, you know, uh, eventually we'll get there. But that number is still a very uh, a small, a low number compared to what we saw. Uh, in the past. Yeah. And I think, you know, the 10 years probably a testament to how, how um, confident folks are that this is a transitory blip in inflation, right? Because that's the, the bond market's bread and butter. If they thought that was Mm -hmm. a permanent uptick in inflation, um, you would see a lot more sensitivity to in that, in that 10 years. So um, yeah, I think that uh, we, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, up to date, shall we say, on what's happened over the course are. of the last couple of weeks. We got in the the record-breaking April housing market data. We talked a little bit about some of the, the challenges that this hot market is creating and some of those signs of buyer fatigue that we're seeing out there. We talked about housing affordability kind of all being wrapped up in that in that question of prices and inventory. Uh, and then we gave you the kind of uh, macro update. So I think we're, we're good to go. Did we miss anything important, Oscar? I think we covered pretty much everything, but of course there will always be uncertainty and a lot of, That's you true. know, things that come out uh, right after we finish this 
you know, uh, podcast. I'm sure tomorrow or later this afternoon, we'll probably get some breaking news somewhere. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you can count on us on covering those uh, in our next podcast. Absolutely. As soon as we know it, you will too. And that's the, the beauty of this format. So uh, thank you all so much for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. We'll see you on the next one. See ya. See ya.